Are you working? What kind of work do you do? You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Right, what is it you want to do when you grow up? Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. Gambling and fantasy aficionados, welcome home. My name is Aaron Karolnik, and it is my pleasure to welcome you to TSN Edge, the radio component of TSN's brand new betting and fantasy sports informational information portal with the same name. Of course, you can find everything we do at tsn.ca slash edge. Tonight, we delve deep into point spreads. We delve deep into money lines, future bets, and teasers. That's right, gambling degenerates. You have found your new home. We are live here on TSN 1050. Stream us live on tsn1050.ca and subscribe to the podcast wherever they may be found. Tonight, Dave Naylor joins us in about 15 minutes to look at two week three lines in the NFL and NFL MVP odds are out after week two. Some very interesting propositions there that I am, my interest, that is, is peaked. Brad Evans, fantasy sports Hall of Famer, in 35 minutes. One of the most injury-plagued weeks in the history of the sport. McCaffrey, Saquon, the list goes on and on. Brad Evans will save your fantasy season. And Davis Sanchez, of course, of TSN Edge, their lead NFL analyst. He joins us for his early leans later in the hour. But now, finally, the man notorious for gambling greatness on overdrive. His name is Al's brother. He also is part of this program every Tuesday and Friday. Good evening, Al's bro. How are you? I'm doing well, AK. How are you? I'm great, man, and I know you're six and one in your picks on Overdrive, so you will be a huge asset for here on t- for us here on TSN Edge. Thank you for being part of the show, and uh, I know, man, you're you're you are fire when it comes to the picks, and it's a real asset for us to have you here. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope to keep these good fortunes rolling throughout the rest of the season. Off to a good start, but as we all know, it can uh, quickly go down the drain. It can very quickly. The Grappler, also part of Overdrive, will be joining our show every Friday, so we look forward to having him. But now, let's hear the Sting House, bro. Meaningful. I talk it about meaningful. Add that word. Meaningful. Or a meaningless number. Facts are meaningless. Let's find out what happened and what it means. All right, a little bit of a technical snafu there, but uh, it's it's show number one. I guess those are to be expected. What happened and what it means. Week two in the NFL was wild. KC Chiefs, huge favorites at the Chargers. It took a near miracle, a near miracle win at the at the uh, final whistle. Harrison Butker hitting three fifty yarders ultimately to get the victory over the Chargers. They did not cover the nine. But they snuck out the W to move to 2-0. and The Titans, 7.5-point favorites over the Jags, won by 3. And the Sunday Nighter, the cover for the Seahawks, barely covering the 4 points, stuffing Cam Newton at the goal line. But Al's brother, Week 3, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in Baltimore to play Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. The Ravens, 3-point favorites against the defending champions. Were you surprised to see that line? Yeah, a little bit, but I mean, I think you just have to chalk it up to how well Lamar Jackson and that Ravens team is playing, no? 
I mean, absolutely. The Ravens have been an absolute force, and what we saw from KC in Week 2 is not impressive. I'm just curious, and we'll talk to Dave Naylor when he joins us in about 12 minutes' time. The idea of using home field as a barometer for the gambling lines is a very confusing one. We know that a lot of sound is piped in from from the stadium experience, but it cannot be at all the same as what is as what we're accustomed to during the NFL season. So I'm curious about that. I'm also curious to see the Packers in New Orleans as three-point dogs after what we saw from New Orleans on Monday night. Drew Brees not slinging the ball like he used to, and Michael Thomas will not be in the lineup. And the Pack, I know they played two terrible defenses and two defenses that have just been savaged by injury. But, I mean, that seems like that line should almost be flipped. I'm really liking what I've seen from the Packers. I've not been overly impressed with the Saints so far. And the Steelers, uh, they look to, to move to 3-0. and They're four-point favorites over the 0-2 Houston Texans. The Dallas Cowboys, the miracle win over the Atlanta Falcons. They visit Seattle as five-point dogs. And the Rams, 2-0. and They're at the 2-0 and Bills as two-and-a-half-point dogs. Not sure what way I lean there. I mentioned Brad Evans joining us. A longtime Yahoo Sports NFL fantasy expert. Uh, now has his own thing going in a number of different places. Saquon, McCaffrey, Cortland Sutton, so many injuries and so many important replacements this early in the season. You're looking at Mike Davis, you're looking at Deion Lewis with the Giants, perhaps even Devontae Freeman, a guy who's coming off the street and might become a very important focal point for the New York Giants and their offense in Week 3 and beyond. Now, moving to the NHL, the Dallas Stars and the Lightning, they're tied at one game apiece in the Stanley Cup Final. Tampa pulled out a 3-2 win last night, and we know that Game 3 goes tomorrow night. Al's brother, it's interesting to me to see the Tampa Bay listed as the minus 200 favorite to win the best of seven series. They opened the Cup Final at basically the same number, so the odds makers are still siding with the Lightning in spite of a very close series to this point. What do you make of that number? I think I would probably go with the odds makers on that one. I think minus 200 is a pretty good number, and I haven't seen anything out of Tampa that's going to make me think that Dallas is going to end up winning this thing. They made it close last night, but at the end of the day, I, I do see Tampa come through with the win, so that's a pretty good line for me. Yeah, and we'll see what the status is of Steven Stamkos, who skated prior to Game 2. Uh, the Conn Smythe odds are something that I've been very interested in, and there's basically a three-horse race at the top. You have Braden Point, you have Nikita Kucherov, and you have Andre Vasilevsky, all with pretty much the same odds. Not surprising, because Tampa is the favored side. And Dallas, it's between Hudobin and Miro Heiskinen. So if you think Dallas is going to win, you could take those two, and bet those two, and you ultimately get better odds than just betting on Dallas to win the series um, as a whole. So that's a very interesting strategy that you can employ if you're interested in betting that side. Game three tonight between the Lakers and the Nuggets in the Western Conference Final at 9, 8, 9 p.m. You could hear it on TSN 1050. We know, Al's brother, the Lakers are up 2 nothing in the series after Anthony Davis hit that buzzer-beating shot in game two. And the Lakers, six-and-a-half-point favorites. They were seven-and-a-half-point favorites for both game one and game two. And get this. If you believe that the Denver Nuggets can come back and win this series, the odds on that happening, plus 2,200, meaning you bet $100, you come home with $2,200. Any value in that area for you, Mr. Brother? 
Oh, there's definitely tons of value with that one. If you feel like they can come back and win, I'm not too sold on it. Uh, I probably wouldn't even make that risk, to be quite honest with you. But, I mean, for 10 bucks, I, 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 you might throw it down and win yourself a couple hundred if they do come back. They've had two massive comebacks already in, in, uh, in the first and second round. Maybe they can do it again in round three, and it's a pretty good odds for you and, and definitely yeah. the definition of a value pick. Well, Denver was actually plus 14 with Jamal Murray on the floor for 44 minutes. But in the four minutes he was off the floor, Denver was outscored by 15 points. So I think it's a pretty simple formula for Mike Malone and the Denver Nuggets. Don't let Jamal Murray leave the floor because he and Jokic have been absolute forces all playoff long. And you mentioned how Denver's been such a resilient team coming back from two 3-1 deficits so far in the postseason. I wouldn't be so quick to write off Denver. And I know there's a lot of people... Uh, riding the narrative that they're tired, which is very much, very possibly the case. But I can see Denver mounting a resilient performance tonight in Game 3. Uh, they are 5-1 and one in their last six games against the spread following a straight-up loss. And a 6.5 or 7-point spread seems a little bit gener- generous for me. I would be siding with the Nuggets in this one. And finally, Alsbro, we saw Bryson DeChambeau. A legendary performance at Wingfoot over the weekend. Masters odds for the 2020 tournament in November came out today, seven weeks from Thursdays. From Thursday, and Bryson DeChambeau has never been in the top 20 at that tournament, but his recent play has him as a near favorite. He and Rory McIlroy and Dustin Johnson all share about the same odds, whether it's nine or ten to one. And if you're wondering, Tiger Woods twenty to one. To repeat, and we saw Tiger play in a little bit of a a charity event this afternoon with uh, Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose and Justin Thomas. Between that and the Masters on November twelfth, we can expect to see Tiger in just one tournament. So I, I'm not so sold on Tiger's chances, considering his lack of tournament action. But it's difficult to write off the goat in any capacity. Dave Naylor, TSN Football Insider has put his CFL notebook away and has become the savant of the sports book. He's going to join us next here on The Edge, right here on TSN 1050. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it, count it up, count it up, count it up, count it, count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. You can stream us live on tsn1050.ca and make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Give us a nice kind review because you know that's just positive and really helps propel us up the podcast rankings and that's exactly uh, what we want to do we also want to provide the expert opinion to our listeners on a weekly basis we're here on tuesday and friday night and one of our experts we're going to rely on heavily this year is none other than tsn football insider and my close personal friend Dave Naylor. Dave, I gave you a very, very complimentary introduction. I, heard, I hope you heard at least some of it. I did, I did indeed. And, uh, hey, honored to be on the very first show on this uh, new venture, okay? Thanks for having yes, me. Yes, it's my pleasure, and it's always great to have you as part of anything I do, Dave. You know I love you, and I love <laughs> the information that you provide. So let's talk about the AFC East. Mm. What do you make of the Bills? They are, they are minus... 120 to win the AFC East, and the Patriots plus 130. I've been really impressed with with what I've seen from the Patriots against them. Superior competition to what Buffalo has been presented with. What do you make of how that division shapes out? 
Well, I agree with you on superior competition. And I, th- I think generally in, in the NFL, that's one of the things that leads to sort of the overreactions. I think there are all kinds of times where you can look back on the first month of the season and see that teams that other teams were beating were a lot weaker or stronger than we thought them to be. You know, and, and, the, and those wins in retrospect look a lot different. So, you know, they both played Miami. And, and I guess the Patriots had that game. Well, they both were, had those games, you know, pretty much in hand. Uh, and then the difference, of course, would be Buffalo's opening game coming against the Jets, who look awful, and New England, you know, coming a foot away from beating the Seattle Seahawks on a game that, you know, it's funny to, to see how close that game was because you listen to the, you know, the announcers on, on Sunday Night Football, they were basically saying that Russell Wilson had played the perfect game as a quarterback. And yet, you know, they nearly lost it. Now, I'm not sure they made the perfect call on third and one. You know, late in the fourth quarter, there they put the ball in Cam Newton's hands. But you know, the Cam Newton thing. Let's just stand back from it, from it for a minute, moment here. If all the speculation about you know when Tom Brady leaves, well, that's when things will change for New England because you know they're not going to be picking at the top of the draft, and you can't get quarterbacks in free agency. And you know, this is this is where we're going to see sort of the crack in the Patriots' shield. And if I told you three years ago that the player the Patriots would get to succeed Tom Brady would be a former number one overall pick would be a guy who'd already taken his team to a Super Bowl. He'd be in the heart of his prime age wise. And they get him, you know, for a song that had little indent in their salary cap at all. I mean, it, it, it seems sort of too hard to believe. And, and I think the one thing you notice with Bill Belichick is you got all kinds of different ways you can define his coaching, but he's the greatest situational football coach in history, and, and bar none, and, and maybe the best coach ever. But by situational football, I mean two things. One is you know, reading the situation and understanding what edges can be gained by the way the other team may be thinking of the situation. But the other is taking advantage of what his players do. And, and we have this kind of epiphany when you start watching the Patriots with Cam Newton and say, this is a tool Bill Belichick's never had. You know, we've, we've never seen him with a legit run threat quarterback. So I look forward to seeing, you know, how that evolves over the course of the season. I've been impressed with it already. Yeah, I need to be honest, Dave. I kind of wrote off Cam Newton. He was 0-8 in his last eight starts prior to joining the Patriots, and his accuracy was a disaster. And I, he was, like, the accuracy was there. The zip was there on the ball on Sunday night against the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. And you look and you look ahead to the game that the Patriots are playing in Week 3. They're hosting the Raiders, who just came off a very impressive win over the Saints. And the Patriots are six-point favorites. So Vegas has quickly, very quickly, bought into Cam Newton and I think that the gambling community as a whole is looking at the Patriots as a legitimate contender again in the AFC. Well, I'll tell you this. You know, AK, I, I love the occasional hot take. I'm not Mr. Hot Take, you know, okay, every, we every week or whatever. But every once in a while, you know, I like to go against the grain, okay? And so I threw this one out. I don't know if we were on air or anywhere or on Twitter. I've, I've certainly thrown it out, you know, just among the, at, at the virtual water cooler, you might say. Uh, and that is this. Patriots more wins than Buccaneers this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that's a hot take at all anymore. Well, um, no, I mean, I said it. I said it like in whatever April, you know, okay, like, like okay. We're going way back here. No, this was this was before we had any evidence. And again, like betting against Bill Belichick, right? And and again, he, Cam Newton struggles, you know, notwithstanding. You know, he's in a different system with a different offensive coordinator, a different staff, and a different environment. And and it's not like we haven't seen Bill Belichick, you know help players that there have been some, you know, like Randy Moss who found a new gear and there have been others like Albert Hainsworth who didn't, 
But we know that it's an environment that players you know, are going to get an opportunity to succeed if they bring talent and hard work. TSN football insider Dave Naylor, our guest here on The Edge. And Dave, you talk about running quarterbacks. Cam Newton has done a great job on the ground so far. On Sunday night, Lamar Jackson, of course, the reigning MVP, a guy who can run the football about as well as anybody in NFL history, he and the Baltimore Ravens host Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Ravens are three-point favorites on Monday night. And this is the first matchup in NFL history between former MVPs aged 25 or younger. It's going to be an incredible showdown. What do you make of the three-point spread as far as the Ravens being the favorite? Well, it feels to me that this is a game that Kansas City might have been less than a field goal favorite on if they hadn't had that scare uh, against the Chargers. I mean, that was a a nine-and-a-half-point spread in that game. You know, and that was one that I'm sure people in survivor pools all over. Oh. Yeah, in, you're telling me. Nervously in overtime watching those fit, repeated 58-yard uh, field goal attempts. Um, so that I, you know, I think that, you know, given that Baltimore has played so well and they look like you know, you know, Lamar Jackson has, has developed as a passer, we know what he can do with his feet. We know the athleticism, and, and he certainly throws the football as well. But he looks a little more refined as a passer this year. So I think... You know, given how strong they've looked out of the gate. And, and yeah, when, when you've only got two games of sample and you see a team that had to come back the way they did against you know, not just a, a, a San Diego team that isn't as highly regarded by any means as Kansas City, but against a quarterback who's you know, getting his feet wet in the NFL with his first real experience. I mean, I think that's what sort of gives that a hiccup. And I think flips that from a maybe a Kansas City minus two and a half game to a Ravens minus three. Yeah, it's a, it's an amazing slate of games this week in Week 3 between the Chiefs and Ravens on Monday night. The Packers and the Saints go off on Sunday night. It's the Texans who are 0-2. They're at the Steelers. Man, can you remember a more tough situation to start a season that the Texans have had? They played the Chiefs. They played the Ravens. Now they're in Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. That's a tough one there. And the Cowboys and the Seahawks is what I want to focus on with you next, Dave. And the Cowboys are five-point dogs in Seattle. And I don't really know what to make of, of Dallas at this point. That when they had the miracle onside kick that really Dallas should be 0-2 heading into Seattle. I think that goes without saying. But are you buying what the Cowboys are selling at this point in the season? Well, you, you can do it two ways. You can say they should have been 0-2 because of the you know, mysterious reinvention of the onside kick. Or you can say they should be 2-0 and because of the sort of, depending on your view of it, faux offensive pass interference call week before. So, you know... The Dallas Cowboys are a team we love to debate, and you can you can make the two and O case, and you can make the O and two case. I mean, the one thing I guess we really saw last week is that they can play catch up football. You know, oh yeah, that, that, and, and and you know that's Atlanta with the ghost of that Super Bowl from a few years ago still you know looming in their rearview mirror, giving up a big one. But you know, that the explosiveness of that offense. Um, and I, I think that was a that was a bit of a statement in terms of when they need to turn the heat up, when they need to play catch up. You know, they can really score with uh, they can really put up the points. And, and you know, I, I, that's that's a fantastic matchup though, because again, you're talking about you know they're not you've almost got a similar matchup as you do in in uh, in Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, yeah. that, these guys are not as young, but these are guys that are still not Russell Wilson's case. I think he's, he's legitimately in the conversation uh, and should have been more in the conversation probably the last few years as, as, as an MVP. Uh, Dak Prescott's not there. 
he's trying to climb onto that run. But last week was a big, I think, statement, you know, to come back in a game like that, especially on a team facing uh, going 0-2, which is sort of the dreaded record for every NFL team. Dave, I'm glad you brought up the MVP and Russell Wilson conversation because that's been a national conversation over the first two weeks of the season, so much so that Russ is now the favorite to win MVP on many sports books at plus 450, followed by Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, the aforementioned Dak Prescott, Kyler Murray, and I want to get to him in just a moment because he's been remarkably good with the Arizona Cardinals, and Aaron Rodgers at 16-1. to we talk about narratives a lot when it comes to MVPs. LeBron James talked about it earlier this week. How, um, you know, he has he felt that narrative was part of the conversation surrounding Giannis and why he was ultimately given the NBA's MVP. Do you think narrative will ultimately factor in with Russell Wilson, considering he's never received an MVP vote throughout the course of his career? I think it does in in every award to some degree, and and there, you know, I won't digress on it, but there are some awards where I think it's. A lot narrative, you know, and, and in this one, not so much. I think it's mostly performance based, but there is that. I mean, this is a guy, you know, who's won a Super Bowl, who's been to another Super Bowl. He's a third round pick who started from day number one. You know, he, he's, he's been healthy. He plays the position as efficiently as, as, as anybody in the league. Um, and, and I think there is a sense that probably, you know, he's due a little more respect than, than he's got in, in the past. I mean, it's, it's an amazing list when you look at that. Uh, and think of how young those players are. Aaron Rodgers, you know, the only one you mentioned who's, you know, in kind of, you know, the latter stages of his career. But when you look at Wilson Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, and Kyler Murray, I mean, those are guys, uh, well, I mean, two of them is funny. Wilson and in, uh, you know, in, in Russell Wilson and Dak Prescott, you know, not necessarily high draft picks either. I mean, yeah. it's, you know, they, they're, they're sort of mid round draft picks, guys that any other team could have had. But, um, I, I think Russell Wilson, it's, you know, there's, there's, you know, you see this, I think, in a lot of different debates. Has he ever been the best quarterback in the NFL for even half a season or a whole season? But over, let's say, let's stretch it out now. now how many years has he been in the league? Over that time, how many guys have been better than he has, more consistent than he has over the length of his career? I think that's kind of where the respect that you see flowing his way comes from. Yeah, and it certainly seems like the national media in the United States is pushing for Russ, whether or not he is able to get there and actually receive his first ever NFL MVP vote. This remains to be seen, but I can tell you one guy who's going to state his case and state his case throughout the season, it's Kyler Murray. And this guy is incredible to watch. He is putting up just prodigious stats through the first two weeks, and he's 14-1. to to win the NFL MVP. And you look at the last two NFL MVPs, Dave, it was quarterbacks who emerged in their second season. It was Mahomes, and it was Lamar Jackson last year. And this year, it looks to me like Kyler Murray, there's a lot of value at 14-1 to on him. Yeah, it's funny, because you don't think of that being the stage that a guy wins an NFL MVP. And, and I, you know, I don't have the, the, the records in front of me to look at you know how old players were when they, when they won that award. But, but instincts tell me that that's not the, not the norm. But... Yeah, I, I think we're seeing, you know, we're seeing more sophisticated quarterbacks coming into the league in ter- out of college in terms of the training, the training they're getting away from college, you know, the private training, all those kinds of things they're doing from, since they're in high school. Um, you know, the expectation that if you're taken in the first round, you know, you're going to start. It, it's now far more the exception that those guys would be groomed, you know, for a year or two on the bench, you know, like Aaron Rodgers was, and now Jordan Love may be behind him, but that's, 
that's far more the exception. So, uh, yeah, and it also speaks, I think, when you look at the MVP candidates and it's a list of quarterbacks, you know, kind of similarly as we've seen it with the Heisman Trophy, you, know, you have to have a heck of a year you know, as a running back or receiver or another position uh, you know, to be get serious consideration for the Heisman Trophy in college football because as the game has evolved more towards passing, it's really become a quarterback award. And it really looks that way when you you, know, you consider the, the direction of the way things are going in the National Football League and that short list of guys you know, that you suggested, which, you know, again, it would seem like two games into this season – yeah, year number two for Kyler Murray. I think we've got some recency bias there, perhaps. You know, I've oh, yeah. seen him. That's what I do. I love recency bias. Do. But as you point out, you know, the last two guys to win it you know, have had similar profiles. I'm just looking for value, Dave. That's what I'm looking for, and that's why we try to provide our audience here on The Edge. I know you've lived a very successful career in media, but it's safe to say that being the first guest on this radio program has to be number one on your list at this point. I'm sure you agree, Dave. It's been a, it's been, I've been lucky to have a, a, a long career in this business and do a lot of different things and all kinds of different media, AK, but this is absolutely at the very top of the list. I want to hear that in the promo, by the way. Yes, thank you. I, I appreciate your, uh, your honesty there, Dave. Thank you very much for doing this. We will talk to you soon, my friend. Thanks, AK. Good stuff. See ya. All right. That is TSN Football Insider Dave Naylor. If you play fantasy football, there is no doubt that you have incurred at least somewhat of an injury hit to your fantasy team. Some superstars are done for significant periods of time, perhaps even the season, and we have the man to save your fantasy football season. He is a Fantasy Sports Writer Association Hall of Famer. His name is Brad Evans, and he joins us next on TSN Edge. You're listening to The Edge with Aaron Karolnik. Giving you the expert advantage in the world of gambling and fantasy. We are back here on TSN Edge, right here on TSN 1050. We're streaming online, tsn1050.ca. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast. And I need to tell you. I've been playing fantasy football for a very long time, and there is not a analyst in the business that I respect more than our next guest. His name is Brad Evans. He is a legend in the industry. He's the co-founder of FTN Fantasy, and hopefully he's able to rescue my fantasy football team, which is in some serious trouble after what happened on Sunday with all the injuries around the NFL. Good evening, Brad. How are you, my man? Hola, amigo. I am uh, splendid. Yes, it was an absolute bloodbath on <laughs> Sunday. Uh, so hopefully uh, there's some uh, labor wire options for you that you can cast a line and hopefully get you know through this rough patch. Yeah, rough patch would be an understatement, Brad. I will fill you in after the program, but let's start with Christian <laughs> McCaffrey of the Panthers. We know he's out four to six weeks with that high ankle sprain. Mike Davis, the buzzy name in NFL fantasy circles. How aggressively should people be pursuing him on waiver wires this weekend or this week? I should yeah, say. Yeah, I think you're probably going to have to you know shell out then forty to fifty percent of your fat budget to acquire his services. You know, Mike Davis has shown glimpses of being a serviceable running back in the league uh, prior uh, in his previous stop at the Seattle Seahawks back in 2018. Just over 62% of his yards were generated after initial contact. You know, Reggie Bonifant may have a bit role in this backfield. Draft Knicks love the guy, but I find it rather unexciting. Curtis Samuel could be an increase as a gadget type of back. You worry about games for getting out of control uh, for the Carolina Panthers and, you know, maybe even this week against the LA Chargers, but 
you know, Davis should get the lion's share of the touches. And the good news here is that he was catching everything inside when McCaffrey exited stage left last week, you know, targeted eight times, caught all eight balls for 74 yards. So knowing that he's experienced, knowing that, you know, he was a clear-cut number two guy out of Carolina training camp, um, you know, I think he's going to get probably ball to belly 14, 15 times in a game. And if the script gets out of control, he can, you know, certainly chip in with six or so receptions per contest. So uh, he is definitely at the top of the ladder this week in terms of waiver wire grabs. But, again, you've got to go out there and shell out the big bucks if you want to acquire Mike Davis's services. Yeah, no doubt about that, Brad. And another guy getting a lot of buzz. Well, I should say guys, because we know that Saquon Barkley done for the year with a torn ACL. We're not really sure what's going to happen with the Giants in the backfield. Will it be Deion Lewis, who's been very productive in, uh, at times with the Patriots? Wayne Gallman's a guy who's getting some buzz. And Devontae Freeman, you may remember him from his days with the Atlanta Falcons. He has been brought in to uh, visit the team. What do you expect to shake out with that situation, and which of the three running backs that I just mentioned would be the first for you to target? Well, it is messy. Uh, it's really indecipherable right now, knowing that Devontae Freeman has not inked any major deal. Now, Michael Roffalo at NFL Network said that a uh, deal was imminent, uh, yet we have not heard nothing concrete yet uh, on whether or not Freeman is going to apply pen to paper, but... You know, the waivers processing, and I, if we don't get any information about Freeman, um, you know, I would avoid this situation as much as humanly possible. Like, Deion Lewis, if he is in the captain's seat, you know, it could be a brief stint uh, in that position. I wouldn't shell out any more than, say, 10 to 12% of my fab budget. Uh, Wayne Goldman, they like. I mean, he, he was proven serviceable in the past as a receiver out of backfield, but just a whole hum rusher between the pipes. Uh, really doesn't, you know, move the meter for me. He's worth nothing more than a five, six, seven dollar bid, even in deeper formats. And then there's Freeman. Like, you know, if you really want to clack and clack and roll the dice, and you think that the Giants and Drew Rosenhaus, Freeman's agent, they're going to, you know, consummate this marriage, then you know he's probably worth uh, thirty to thirty-five percent of your fab budget. Uh, if he does, you know, again, sign with the Giants, he would be. The primary running back in this backfield, though, there was offensive line issues. And really where the bread is buttered for Freeman is as a pass catcher. Uh, he is not all that effective anymore between the tackles. It's 2.43 yards of a contact per attempt with the Atlanta Falcons last year. But knowing that the Giants have a dreadful defense, uh, he could be quite useful as a you know, borderline RB2 flexy, sexy guy week in, week out, especially in PPR leagues. Brad Evans, our guest here on The Edge. He is the co-founder of FTN Fantasy. He is a Hall of Famer amongst fantasy sports writers, and we're thrilled to have him. Brad, on the subject of Hall of Famers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, unquestioned Hall of Famers. They are two of the best to ever lace them up. Are they still quarterback ones in fantasy? Man, Drew Brees is cooked, bro. That's all i got to <laughs> say about that guy. I, I mean, <laughs> the cool Brees. He's not even a, a tropical depression. He's not even a tropical disturbance. I, I mean, it's like sunny skies and fair weather clouds for Breeze right now. Uh, he looked terrible last night, and that's yeah. back-to-back games. So, you know, you, you got to worry about it. You know, this is the king of accuracy all-time in the NFL, and right now he's outside the top 20 just a completion percentage. And he's missing his, his main man, and Michael Thomas, uh, who has somehow and possibly dodged uh, the IR with a high ankle sprain. So it's promising he could maybe return as early as this week, more likely a couple of weeks away. But even if that is the case, I mean, Brees has one pass beyond 20 yards that he has completed in 63 attempts. 
if that's not a telltale sign that Father Time is wreaking havoc on him, I don't know what is. So he is expendable right now. If a Gardner Minshew is available in your league, if a Joe Burrow is available in your league, Brian Tannehill is available on waivers, all those guys would rather have than Drew Brees. Now, I think it's the same applies really for Tom Brady. Now, it's not as a dire straits of a situation for Brady because he's got to get Chris Godwin back this week. He's got Mike Evans there. Scotty Miller's been decent so far in a couple of games. Gronk's done nothing. O.J. Howard's made some noise. And now you've got a an absolute bull moose and one Leonard Fournette uh, who can be a legitimate three-down running back. So, you know, Brady's just uh, right now an average fantasy quarterback, and I would rather have those aforementioned guys that I mentioned you know, again, uh, Gardner Minshew topping that list, rest of season, and Joe Burrow is right there. It's really 1A, 1B, and then at uh, clear number three, in my estimation, be Ryan Tannehill. This is how crazy it is. I have Mitchell Trubisky ranked ahead of both of them this week. And that I might is be unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, that is incredible. I mean, you th- I know, Brady's 43, Breeze is 41. You know, the old saying, father time is undefeated. Maybe on the actual football field that could be the case for the Saints and the Bucks this year. For fantasy owners, perhaps not the case. I quickly want to get you out of this. Got to hear, get you out of here on this, Brad. Give us a good buy low for fantasy owners and maybe a sell high as well. Yeah, goodbye low right now is Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys. You know, a lot of people are saying, well, he's playing third fiddle right now uh, with this franchise. C.D. Lamb had a 100-yard performance last week at a breakout. Amari Cooper's been getting it done consistently. But, you know, here's the hope with Gallup. He is number two in average air yard target among any wide receiver in the NFL. So he's missed out on a couple of massive chunk gains, whether due to an OPI, which was – completely BS in my estimation, uh, or a bad call with him not getting two feet in. He had one butt cheek down and a foot, and they said, ah, he was out of bounds. So, you know, he's had a couple of plays wiped away, but, um, you know, I think better days are on the horizon, and it's going to start this week in Seattle. It's going up 8.6 pass yards per attempt. So you're buying low opportunity on Michael Gallup. That window's about to slam shut. So high, it's got to be Cam Newton. Now, look, Cam Newton uh, left a bunch of egg on my face. Uh, I was wrong about him. I talked about it on my series that's a fantasy show this week that, uh, you know, he had to prove it to me through the air, and he certainly did exactly that against the Seattle Seahawks, dropping dimes to Julian Edelman, uh, just, you know, spraying the ball around to Keel. Harry was involved. Amir Bird was involved. Really impressed with Cam. We know that he can run. Uh, really almost impossible to stop. Uh, inside the five-yard line when he calls his own number. But chances are he drafted him as your second quarterback. So you might as well dangle him via trade and see what you can get back. And I'll give you a guy that you need to target right now. It's James Robinson of the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's going to be in action on Thursday against Miami Dolphins. And he has got a Sherman song schedule here. That's four weeks. And he is the unrivaled workhorse on a team that is playing much better than expected Town of kids, three-down running back at Illinois State, undrafted. He could be the next Arian Foster, Pierre Ooh. Thomas, um, you know, Priest Holmes, these guys that did not get their name called uh, one of the two days of the NFL draft, or three days in most cases, and went undrafted and can really make some serious noise. Uh, I would be selling an arm and, and all my limbs right now uh, to acquire James Robinson, knowing the delectable schedule upcoming and knowing that he is locked into a vigorous weekend, week-out workload. Only the great Brad Evans would suggest selling his bod- bodily, his limbs in order to acquire James <laughs> Robinson. But that's why you're the best, Brad, and we do appreciate your time this evening. Thank you very much for doing this, and keep up the great work, my friend. 
Uh, muchas gracias. Good luck to all out there in fantasy land. That is Brad Evans, a legend in the fantasy football industry. Another legend here at TSN. He is the lead analyst for TSN Edge. His name is Davis Sanchez, and we will get his early leans for week three after a look at traffic. Word to the wise. It's time to check in with Davis Sanchez, the wise guy. On the Edge with Aaron Karolnik. All right, we're back here on the edge to stream us online, tsn1050.ca. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. As you heard, our next guest, Davis Sanchez, he is the face of TSN. You turn on the television, you go on tsn.ca, Twitter, any social media, it is Davis Sanchez talking fantasy and gambling for TSN Edge. Thrilled to have him as part of our show weekly. What's going on, Chez? My man, I just finished listening to uh, the legend, the fantasy legend, Brad Evans. Uh, that guy is a legend. I ask you one thing, AK. Tell me this. Do you think that Brad might have, uh, I know he's a fantasy expert. Do you think he might have had some money on the Saints and, and no kidding. Been a, little bit, a little bit pissed off at uh, Drew Brees because he was really salty with Drew? My old, no, my what, old teammate, yeah. Drew. <laughs> I know. He, I don't think he knew you were coming on next, uh, yeah. Davis, because if he did, he might not have been so critical of drew Brees. drew Brees cooked i'm not so sure but uh i mean i don't know if drew Brees is part of your early leans for tsn edge this week but why don't you tell the audience what you have coming up i don't think first of all i don't think drew uh follows us i don't think drew remembers who i am so i find it hard I to believe be, I, I could just be totally frank uh, drew's drew's dunzel washington he's finished he's done um uh, I'm, I'm with i'm with brad <laughs> I'm, I'm with brad but let's keep that between us okay and all our listeners. So yeah, exactly. early early leans week three, Davis. I know that's one of your segments uh, for the edge. Of course, you have pumped the brakes. You have you got screwed. A number of great quality content pieces each week on TSN Edge. What are your early leans for week three? Yeah, the Baltimore Ravens are the biggest one. And that jumped out. Uh, that line, it came out at three. Ravens over Kansas City. It's starting. You see it at places. starting to move around three minus three with some juice, and then three and a half at some places. It's, it's pretty simple to me. If you, if you look at the Kansas City Chiefs, AK, there's not, there's not many weaknesses on that, on that roster or that team. They're pretty, they're pretty good. And, uh, and I think the same thing about the Ravens. But when I watch the Los Angeles Chargers, which is difficult for me to remember to say that, the yeah. Los Angeles Chargers, when you watch them completely out physical and should have beat the Chiefs, when I match them up, how could how could you not think the Ravens would beat them by a touchdown? I mean, they're they're if not if they're not as physical as the Chargers, they're more physical than the Chargers that the Ravens are. And then offensively, uh, they're they're talent, way more talented than the Chargers. And then when I look at the back end, this is the big thing for the Ravens. And I had them last week too. When you have a team as good as physical and as good offensively as the Ravens, and then their back end is full of playmakers. And I'll lean, I'll go right into Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey, the two guys on the corners. Those guys aren't just corners. Those guys are playmaking corners. So when they get ahead in games and teams are trying to come back and make plays, these guys are looking to, to attack the football, to, to make plays, to create turnovers. It's just really tough for teams that are weaker than them to come back against the Ravens is tough. And then for a team like the Chiefs, who I think are, they're fairly even. I just the Ravens are just a, a better team for the physicality reasons, uh, and then I think they're pretty even most of their places. 
Uh, Davis Sanchez, our guest here on The Edge Radio, and of course, Davis, the lead analyst for TSN Edge. You can make sure you check out all the work on tsn.ca slash edge. Uh, on Pump the Brakes last week, Davis, you had uh, you encouraged the audience to pump the brakes on the love for Cam Newton, and you liked the Seahawks minus the four points. They ultimately covered. It was a uh, somewhat of a greasy cover, but it ended up it ended up coming to fruition. What do you make of Cam Newton and the Pats heading into week three, considering everything you've seen in the first two weeks from the former MVP? Yeah, listening to our, our colleague Dave Naylor, the nail gun, earlier, and, and his, his, I loved his explanation and his, his discussion on, on the Pats and when he said that you know, people thought the Pats would be finished once, once, Tom, once Tom left, and, and, and now who would have ever thought that they would – they replaced him with be a first overall guy and a, a former MVP, and and Cam uh, has been just that. And that, so to me, that's what do I think of the Patriots? They have the old Cam Newton. They have the number one overall pick. They have the former MVP. And I, going into the season, I didn't believe that. I thought that Cam was done, just like you said. AK, I I, I saw Cam last year, and and I didn't think that Cam was I was going to come back. But he is that guy. So. To me, now you have Bill Belichick, you have that defense, and you have Cam Newton, the quarterback he was um, in, in the better years in Carolina. So they're a, they're a team that's to be reckoned with. Now, do I throw them up in the same conversation with the Ravens and with the Kansas City Chiefs? No, because Cam's never been a quarterback that can throw the ball and, and compete on the level of, with those guys. So I don't I don't put them when I'm looking at the long term big picture. Do I think that the Patriots can get out of the AFC? No, no, they're not getting out. There's no chance they're getting out of the AFC because they're not going to beat both of those teams, and likely they'll have to beat both of them. It's not going to happen. But will they win the AFC East? That is a conversation that can be saved for another day, my friend. Keep up the great work. We'll be looking for all of your stuff on Twitter at tsn underscore edge, and we thank you for being part of the de- debut program. The Buffalo Bills win the AFC East. Nice talking to you, AK. All right, buddy. You heard it there first. Davis Sanchez, the Buffalo Bills will win the AFC East, and the Bills got a good matchup, a very good matchup this weekend. They're hosting the LA Rams as two-and-a-half-point favorites. That is a must-see marquee game for me. I am Aaron Korolnik. You've been listening to the debut episode of The Edge. I'd like to thank all of our guests. I'd like to thank Al's brother for his work on the technical side in the TSN 1050 studios. We'll be back on Friday night with Episode 2 with a serious look at Week 3 in the National Football League. Have a great night.